Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the From Ballparks to Buzzer Beer Sportscast. I'm your host, Perry Mortinos, and today, guys, we have a great episode on tap for you. So let's get straight to it. So I know that last week, um, we originally said that we were going to focus on, um, we're going to do a draft day segment, get into the Red Sox a little bit. Um, once again, um, similar to the Jack Jones injury last year, uh, not the Jack Jones injury, excuse me, the Jack Jones incident last week, um, where we had to switch around plans, there's been another shocking development in the world of Boston sports, specifically with the Boston Celtics, um, that we will discuss today. We will also get to some Red Sox, and then we'll talk about um, DeAndre Hopkins. Actually, we're going to hit br- at least briefly on all four Boston sports teams um, today with the primary focus definitely going to be spent on um, Marcus Smart and that um, trade those details, stuff like that. And um, next week we will move in draft day. Um, NBA free agency is going to come up soon. So maybe we'll have some Boston related. I think the Celtics are going to make some more trades in that free agency. I'm sure the Bruins are going to make a trade. We'll probably know about David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron by then. Uh, by next week. But next week, the plan is, barring another significant development, like we've had each of the past few weeks, which is great. Um, it's a boring news cycle usually this time of year, but we've had a couple great, um, uh, I shouldn't say great, but a couple a big incidents, big stories to kind of hit the wall soon that we can discuss. But let's start off with the second of that. Let's start off with the Marcus Smart trade. And I, I've been clamoring for Marcus Smart trade for a while now. I thought they should trade him last year after his defensive player of the year, especially um, that a, um, a decision, a take, honestly, that looked much better in hindsight. As Mar- almost all of Marcus Smart's defensive metrics dropped and Derek White became a better defender over the course of the season than Marcus Smart did last year. But just to start off, let's just recap the trade. So the Celtics received Chris Sapsworzingis from Washington, a 2023 first-rounder, which turned into four second-round picks in Jordan Walsh out of Arkansas from Memphis, as well as a 2024 first-rounder from Memphis. The Wizards received Tyus Jones, um, backup point guard from Memphis, Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala, and the 2023 second rounder from the Celtics. And the Grizzlies received Marcus Smart from the Boston Celtics. So a quick, a couple quick notes on the trade before we get into my opinion of it and stuff like that. Chris S. Porzingis had to opt into his one-year $36 million deal by midnight. So that's why you originally had the Malcolm Brogdon trade where Brogdon was going to be going to the Clippers, and that was kind of the original framework of the deal. Um, but the Clippers were unable to get a doctor to go check on Malcolm Brogdon's elbow, so that trade fell through. And this trade was actually drawn up before as a as a kind of backup in case an incident that ended up occurring, such as the Malcolm Brogdon trade did occur, which, um, which they were able to just get really quickly after that trade fell through. And it turned out that it would be this Marcus Smart trade. Um, so that's why they had the midnight deadline due to Chris Stops having to opt into his deal for it to work. And then um, 
one other thing that I wanted to mention is that Kristaps Porzingis is up for a two-year $77 million extension, which I'm assuming the Celtics are going to give him after trading. Um, I'm assuming they're going to try and fit that in under the cap, maybe based on this year, maybe not. Um, that comes out to about $38.5 million a year based on some quick math there. Uh, before I get to the Kristaps Porzingis and the basketball standpoint, let's let's talk about the Marcus Smart. And um, look, am I am I happy that this trade ended up taking place? Yes, yes I am. Um, I I didn't think Mark. I think Marcus Smart had to go. He's your he's been here for nine years, right? Longest tenure Celtics. You needed a culture shakeup because right now I'll tell you what the culture was in Boston. The culture was a bunch of chokers. At the heart of it, that's what they were. They choked away in the NBA Finals. They probably should have beat the Warriors last year. They choked. Um, they had an easy path. I've heard a lot of people arguing that their window's already closed. And to be honest, I think it, they have two more years. They have two more years to win a title, then it's completely closed. And this is a team that really should win at least two championships. At least two. And I know we got the one championship during the big three era with Pierce, Garnett, and Allen, but you can argue that that's a disappointment, that they should have had to. They probably should have won in 2010. Right now, they have zero. Zero. Right now, this has been a massive failure. And I expect this team to be good again next year. I do. I expect no drop-off. And, I mean, you guys have heard me complain about Marcus Smart for the better part of However long we've been doing this podcast, uh, just over uh, two years, I believe. The <laughs> the shot, I, I can't wait for him to go to Memphis. I legitimately cannot wait. And him, he's going to be the same player. I think the drop-off's not coming this year. I think it's coming the year after that. But he's going to be a similar player. He's going to make a couple nice plays. He'll win you a couple games, and then he'll make a couple stupid decisions. And I think it's going to be interesting because you're going to see maybe his points number improve. His points may improve um, due to just a lack of a scoring guard, a scoring player in Memphis due to the loss of John Morant for the first year, which is why Memphis did want to make this trade. Um, but you're, I think you're going to see just some boneheaded plays by Marcus Smart that he would make here. And people would kind of write it off as, oh, it's just Marcus. He's just trying to make a play. But they're going to see it when he's a part of the Grizzlies, and they're going to be like, wow. That guy used to make those plays when he was here. He's going to chuck up, pull up threes with 18 seconds left on the shot clock when there are better shooters on the team like Desmond Bain. He's going to flop, and it's going to be very annoying, very fast. I'm expect He's going to get a standing ovation for the rest of his life in Boston. Because as much as we want to criticize him, the player, he was a big part of the culture change. Um, in the years following... He overlapped with Garnett and Pierce, I believe, maybe for one year, uh, maybe for a couple years. And then he was he was here for really the better part of... He's been here for the Isaiah Thomas era, the Kyrie Irving era, now the Tatum-Brown era. And he's kind of been the bridge between all of that. And he, he was a part of the culture change here. There's no doubt about that. And that part is going to be the Celtics are going to experience the most. And I've heard arguments, oh, he's the heart and soul of the team, he's the heart and soul of the team. Yes, he is. I agree with that statement. 
But that's kind of the issue here. He's really your fourth best player. Who's your fourth? I would argue Derek White was better this season. I would argue Derek White was better this season. Who's your your fourth or fifth best player should not be the heart and soul of the team. Think of every good NBA team recently. Just let's go. Let's go back through the championships, right? Let's start with this year's Nuggets. Heart and soul of the team, Yochek. He's your best player. Heart and soul of the um. Uh, the Warriors probably. You could argue Draymond Green. I would listen to that argument, but Steph Curry is definitely a big piece of that. I think Steph Curry is a bigger piece of that than Jason Tam is. Then you go to the Bucks. Giannis, hard and sold the team, without a doubt. Lakers, LeBron, yes. Raptors, was Kawhi Leonard the hard and sold of the team? You could argue it was Lowry, but still. I mean... And then recent years, right? You had LeBron and the Cavs. You had the Warriors years. You had Kobe being the heart and soul of those Lakers team. You had Jordan being the heart and soul of those Bulls team. And look, I'm using historically great players, and Jason Tatum isn't on that level yet. We all know that. But your fourth best player cannot be the heart and soul of the team. It's not going to work. Because he's going to feel like he should get more shots. Like he should get more points. Like he should be able to go ISO. And in certain situations, it's good, right? If I've said before, if he just does layups, backs people down in the post, and shoots catch-and-shoot corner threes, he's good. But the issue is he'll never do that. And Bob Cousy had a great comment where he said, well, you'd hope that one day he'd wake up and wonder why he's open at the crucial points of games, and it's a great point. And if not for Derek White, miraculously, game six save... He was one of the biggest reasons why they were choking that away. Choking that away. And he's somebody that you look like and are like, hmm, I don't know. Look, is it going to hurt the team emotionally? I think you will see it in the first 10 or 15 games of the season. But, I mean, it's the NBA. It's a business, right? It's a business. They'll realize that they got to do something. Malcolm Brogdon's still here. Derek White's still here. Um... But yes, a big trade for the Boston Celtics from a basketball standpoint. They had to get rid of one of the guards. Obviously, they were trying to move Brogdon before they were trying to move Smart. If Brogdon gets moved, Smart probably doesn't get moved, right? I don't think they win in the offseason with a plan of trading Marcus Smart, but I think it's very impressive of Brad Stevens to be willing to shake things up and something that maybe the Bruins should take into account next year. Um, They had a surplus of guards, right? They had a lot... They had, a deficiency in the front court um, because Rob Williams is always hurt. Al Horford's old. I think you're going to see Porzingis starting. I think this is going to be good for Al Horford. He's going to have the opportunity to rest a little bit more. They can't play him 35 minutes. I think Joe Mazzulla is going to hopefully realize that this year. He should be better in his second year of coaching. And look, I think they're go they're going to have to re-sign Chris Stops Porzingis. I just think there's no way that you don't after making this trade because... I've heard people, right, we've heard people criticize this trade. But has anybody criticized the trade from a pure basketball standpoint? Or have all the criticisms been from a pure emotional standpoint? Because all the ones I've heard are the Marcus Smart emotional standpoint. 
I, I think this makes the Boston Celtics better. I truly, truly do. I think Derek White can do an admirable job being the Marcus Smart role. I think he's – is he a worse passer? Yes, but I think he can grow on that. I think he can grow on that role. Their assist might take a hit. Great. Jason Tame and Jalen Brown should be better playmakers. They need to play off each other more, and I think this shows that unequivocally, without a doubt, Jason Tam needs to step up. Jason Tam and or Jalen Brown, because here's the issue. Jalen Brown thinks he's the best player on the team. Jason Tam thinks he's the best player on the team. Tam's the best player on the team. Jalen Brown needs to realize that. And that's the next order of Brad Steve. That's the next order of business for Brad Stevens to figure out. Um, one more thing here before we move on. If you're into this kind of stuff, um, something that interesting, Jason Tam posted a message on his Instagram. Jalen Brown did not. So something you read in there, I know we chronicled, there's been issues in the past, right? Throwing chairs um, in Miami in the bubble really was a big issue. Leadership issues between Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. You remember at the beginning of last year, the cover of Sports Illustrated was originally supposed to just be Jason Tame and Jalen Brown, but they thought, hey, we might need to include Marcus Smart in this one. So look, Smart's ego is definitely an issue here, and I've it's the right, it's the right basketball move for Brad Stevens to make, and I commend him for making what isn't the most popular move, but is the right move, and having those difficult conversations. So I commend Brad Stevens on this trade. I mean, if you want to look at it this way, they essentially got Kristaps Porzingis for Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala, and a second round pick. That's a win, and then they trade two first rounders for Marcus Smart. Win. And in my book, I don't think Marcus Smart is worth two picks. Um, but that'll do it on the Marcus Smart trade he might come up later um in draft day next week so something to look forward to there heading over um on the red on the green line excuse me um to the boston red sox who are 40 and 40 as of wednesday i, I i'm just gonna sit here and just yell and basically yell at this ownership and high blue look they're 500 team they pay 500 money they have 500 players. They have average players. Look, some days they hit really, really well. They go on eight-game winning streaks. They win seven out of nine. Some days they go on six-game losing streaks. They lose to bad teams like the Twins, like the Chicago White Sox. I, I think there's no doubt that if you look at this team, you say to yourself, 500 team. As they approach the halfway mark here, I'm recording this on Wednesday, so they'll be halfway through this season. Um, by the time this episode comes out, but I mean, you look at this team and you say to yourself, "Yeah, they're five hundred. Pitching staff, meh. Right, some talent. James Paxton's been good. Brian Bayo's been phenomenal. Uh, he's really looking like he's going to be something. Again, Heim Bloom did not draft Brian Bayo. Something people need to realize. Heim Bloom did not draft Tristan Casas. Something else people need to realize. Um." But then again, like with the sale injury, like why are you trusting a guy who hasn't pitched in like five years to be to be the leader of your pitching staff? And I think there's a legitimate situation where they should consider tearing it down. And I do think they should. I should. I I would tear it down. I know you're probably about four games out of a wild card spot right about now. And look, that's that's. Plenty of time to make a run, right? There's plenty of games, but you need to leave. They've got two teams in front of them, and then the third team that they need to pass. So they've got leapfrog three teams. They probably have the worst talent out of those three teams. I, I would tear it down because they're they're somewhere in the middle here. You you've got to give 
you've either got A, give some playing time to the prospects, right? Or B, you've got to go out and spend some real money. Look, Devers has not had a good season, and I'm, I'm not, I'm recognizing that, and he has not been good at all. That's clear. That's clear to me. But he should not have to be basically the entire offense where you're requiring production out of Alex Verdugo, out of Justin Turner, out of Adam Duval, who just came back. That shouldn't be the situation that we get ourselves in. It really should not be this difficult. You're a big market team. Go spend like a big market team. I hope they're in on Shohei Otani this offseason, although I don't think he's going to come here. I think he's probably going to stay on the West Coast, most likely end up with the Dodgers. But I think they should. They should go after some big-name free agents. They should be in on every single person. We shouldn't be doing this, this stuff where we're bargaining shopping. And that's on ownership, too. I think there's directive coming from ownership. Behind Bloom's was brought here because of his ability to find diamonds in the rough. He's found zero diamonds in the rough outside probably Garrett Whitlock. He overplayed for Masataka Yoshida, money that could have gone to maybe Michael Waka. He gave out one-year $10 million deals to Garrett Richards, to Corey Kluber, to James Paxton. Wouldn't you rather just have Michael Waka for that amount of money? Nathan Valdi, you let leave. We're not even signing the big-name free agency. We're, we're signing mid-level free agents. So I'm all for blowing it up because this team is nowhere near contention right now. They're nowhere near World Series title. I have no problem if they consider blowing it up, and that's what I would do. If I were High Bloom, that's what I would do. I would blow up this team. And you can say, oh, well, they have an exciting cast of young players. Sure. That's why you blow it up. I've also heard people say, oh, you shouldn't have traded – you should have let Xander Bogarts go because Marcelo Mayer is in the system. You get this. This is simple, like stuff. You get as many good players for your team as possible, regardless of position. Good players, not good hitters. Good players, because right now the only above-average def- defender is Alex Verdugo on the team. Scary thought. You look at look at the San Diego Padres, right? They had Fernando Tatis at shortstop, the guy they gave a big contract to. So what? They bring in Xander Bogarts. You've also got Manny Machado at third, so where are you going to put Xander Bogarts? You're going to put him at short, you're going to put Tatis in the outfield. Good players. And I know they're not having a good season. And that's due to a number of factors. Those four players, including uh, Tatis, Machado, Bogarts, and Juan Soto, they have underperformed, yes. But you sign as many good players as you can. And then you figure out where to put them. If they're good players, they can play anywhere on the field. I truly believe that. And the Red Sox right now just do not have enough good players. Moving on to some Patriots discussion. Um, real quick, as we're in the dead zone, I just uh, dead zone of really the NFL calendar. I'm not much going on. I believe training camp starts in about a month here. I believe it's July 26th. DeAndre Hopkins. Some recent news from Sal Palantonio from ESPN. Patriots are the front runners for DeAndre Hopkins. Tennessee's still lingering. Um, they, so Tennessee and the Patriots have given him offers, from what we know. 
there's also been reports that Cleveland and Carolina is are I should say are excuse me are considering making a run at D Hop or have offered him. That's kind of unclear. The Browns do make sense. They're probably a better team than the Patriots right now. They've also got Deshaun Watson at quarterback, who did play with DeAndre Hopkins in Car- in Carolina. I f- have a hard time believing that DeHop's going to end up in Carolina. Um, excuse me, Deshaun Watson and DeHop play together in Houston. Um, but I do have a hard time believing that DeAndre Hopkins is going to end up in Carolina. And I, I think it's right now, if I were to pick two teams, it's between the Patriots and Cleveland. And I hope the Patriots get him. I, it would be a massive help to the offense. He'd easily walk in and be the best wide receiver on the team. Easily. And he'd open up opportunities for guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, guys like Kendrick Bourne. There are rumors, there are rumors, that DeAndre Hopkins and Dalvin Cook want to play together. So if you bring in DeAndre Hopkins, do you bring in Dalvin Cook as well? That's an interesting proposition. Do you bring in Dalvin Cook for a new two-headed monster with Ramondre Stevenson? And look, I know he's posted stuff Dalvin Cook has about the New England Patriots, but he's posted stuff about every team, so take that with a grain of salt. But DeAndre Hopkins is the more important player than Dalvin Cook right now. He's a bigger position to need. And from our reports, Bill Belichick loves Ramondre Stevenson, and they still got Pierre Strong. And they've got Kevin Harris there. Not to mention J.J. Taylor and Ty Montgomery, who's lined up as mostly a star receiver this season. Or this OTAs. Look, I'm not saying I'm opposed to Dalvin Cook. He's just got a lot of miles on him. A lot of miles on Dalvin Cook. D-Hop should be the priority right now. D-Hop and then a tackle. Because they don't have a tackle because Trent Brown has chosen to not participate in practices. I would argue that tackle is a bigger need than wide receiver right now. I would 100% argue that. And I don't think that that's wrong. So at the end of the day, how how are the Patriots going to figure out this offense? They need a receiver. They can fill that with DeAndre Hopkins, but they need a tackle. They need at least one great tackle. Calvin Anderson, Riley Reef are not it. Can Trent Brown come in and be that guy? That remains to be seen. And then real quick, just two minutes here on the Boston Bruins. Trade Taylor Hall, Nick Foligno for Alec Regula, and Ian Mitchell. They trade with the Blackhawks. That's purely cap considerations, right? Um, it was probably the first domino of the fall. The next one, I assume, is going to be a Mike Riley buyout. Um, they're probably going to keep making moves. I think they should make a big, big trade. Um, I think they should bring back Tyler Bertuzzi at the very least. Um, but I think I think they should start to shake up the core. Really tell these guys. I mean, last year was their chance, right? 65 wins, best regular season in NHL history. And you're you're probably going to lose Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. At least David Krejci. I would expect them to lose Patrice Bergeron too. But this was the first domino. Taylor Hall was the first domino. Who's going to be the next one? Probably Mike Riley, but is it going to be Matt Grizzlick? Is it going to be Brandon Carlo, Derek Forbord? So we need Don Sweeney, the GM, to say that Thomas Nosek's probably not coming back. Dimitri Orlov's the long shot. 
other of their free agents are long shots. But Bertuzzi, I think, is the priority right now. And then hopefully they take a big swing for a guy like Pierre Dubois from Winnipeg. Um, other names around the league, guys from Calgary, potentially, that are looking to sell off. Eli Patterson, um, guys from Vancouver as well. Um, we will be discussing more Bruins next um, next week along with our draft day where Marcus might, might pop up again. Who knows? But as always, guys, thank you for listening. Um, please visit our website, www.fromballparktobuzzybeers.com. Our Instagram is there. Our Twitter is there. Our Gmail is there. Guys, please email us or DM us any positive or negative feedback, segment ideas. Even if you just want to be on the show, I'm sure we can figure something out. Guys, we would love hearing from you. Please do not be shy. But that will do it for me today, guys. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Paramortino signing out with the From Ballparks of Buzzer Beer Sportscast. Have a good one, everybody.